murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories, brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. Welcome back to True Law Stories. I'm Garlic here, and today we're going to talk about some crazy employment law stories. One about a, a drug whistleblower, which is amazing, and one about a police chief that uh, was flashing more than his badge. My good friend and amazing employment law attorney, amazing entrepreneur, Bertha Barrezzo, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Awesome. I'm excited to talk to you about this. Uh, of course, it's brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to grow is your business or your law firm is through your client stories. Capturing them on video is super simple at VideoCaseStory.com. And we'll give you 50 different ways that you can use those to grow your business. All right, Bertha. So, you know, we're going to talk about a whistleblower case with a drug whistleblower and, you know, the, the police chief case. But before we get started, let's just talk a little bit about... You know, because you've got an interesting story about how you got into employment law. How did you get into yeah. employment law? Well, you know, it was really by happenstance. My first gig out of law school, honestly, you as a, as a law student, you kind of take the first thing you get. And so I was in the insurance defense world for about a year and a half, and it just wasn't bringing professional satisfaction. So I started looking around, and uh, there was an uh, employment law firm, a boutique employment firm, where that, that's all they did that was hiring. And so I applied, and I fell in love with the profession. It's, it's a very interesting area of law. There's new, no two cases that are alike, and there's always people doing unpredictable things. So I, I've been doing employment now for about 19 years. You know, we're a few years into the pandemic now. How is how has employment law changed over stay at home and all that? It's been pretty crazy, I'm sure. It has. And, you know, our area and the reason why it's so interesting to me is that our law changes with what's going on with society. And so naturally, when COVID hit, the rules that employers previously played by just changed dramatically overnight. And so it, you went from managing people in your office to managing people remotely, which provided a ton of challenges, not to mention now we have laws that they need to abide by. And the laws were changing daily. I would have to tell my clients, hey, today's advice is this. And literally within two days, I would have to give them a whole different set of rules to play by. So it's been, it's, COVID has really changed the landscape for employment lawyers. That's crazy and, and so important. I mean, that if you have multiple employees to be talking to an employment law attorney, because I know so many people are just do it, winging it, right? And and some bad stuff can happen if you wing it. Right, right. Yeah, because, the, you know, the, the biggest thing that I, we tell our clients is consistency. And when you have an organization that has 10 plus employees, naturally you're going to have managers. And so unless everyone is playing by the same playbook, and you're getting the right advice, then people are just making decisions based on how they feel, what they think, what they believe in. I mean, there's just so many different factors that impact people's behavior day to day. So definitely getting the right advice is crucial to staying out of trouble. Awesome. And if someone does want to talk to you and you work with clients, I mean, you have clients in Florida, but you work with clients all around the country, right? Because employment is usually federal. 
correct? Right. We're licensed in Florida. However, there are some clients that have businesses nationally all over the country. And so if it's a situation where we need advice, particular to a certain state, we always get assistance. But yeah, we give day-to-day advice on making employment decisions primarily in terms of we get calls, you know, essentially day-to-day, okay, this is what happened. Here's the crazy situation that happened to me, Bertha. How do I handle it? And so really, and that's, that's a skill set that we developed over time from seeing a lot of cases come through court the courts and, you know, see how judges deal with particular decisions. So um, that's our forte. Awesome. And we'll put a link to it, but BerezzoLaw.com, we'll put a link in the show notes. And Bertha's obviously amazing. We've, we've worked with her for years and, and heard a lot of their stories. And so is her husband, Carlos. They're well-recognized. They're fantastic people. So if you are looking for advice, especially if you have a startup, Bertha really does a lot with that. Uh, but you talk about crazy stories that you hear all the time. And we have a couple of them I'd love, you know, you're going to share today. But the first one, before we get into the crazy police officer, the sheriff, tell me about, let's talk about whistleblower law first before we get into this specific story. How does whistleblower law work in, in the U.S.? Well, the laws, they're, they're different depending on the jurisdiction that you're in. But essentially, whistleblower law is, that was, it's when an employee sees that in a, a company is breaking a particular law and the, a whistleblower is someone who either calls a government entity or even calls us or um, calls someone that regulates an industry to, he, to say, hey, you're, th- my company, my employer that I'm working with is doing something that is illegal. What do I do? Because as an employee, you're put in a very uncomfortable situation, if you will, um, in the sense that, you know, they know by speaking out, they may lose their job. So it's a very precarious situation. When we get that phone call, we have to be very careful how we handle it. And sometimes the employee doesn't want to be known. So that adds a different layer to it if they don't want to be known as as, as the snitch, if you will, the person who could essentially blow up a company. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's crazy. And how often, I mean, how often do these types of things happen? Do they happen more than we think? It does happen more than what people think. And I think the reason why it's not as known, if you will, is because of what I mentioned in the sense that people don't want their name to be associated with the person who kind of pulled back the drapes of what was going on. But there are also laws that protect individuals. And so when someone becomes a whistleblower, many times their identity is hidden, if you will, or protected. And so because of that reason, these types of cases aren't really that mainstream. I mean, there's, there are some that we'll hear on the headlines, you know, about a, a CIA agent who was, you know, outed because they spoke up or, you know, those very high-level situations. But, you know, for these cases that involve private companies, most times you just won't hear about it. Interesting. Yeah, I can't imagine the level of stress. And so you had one pharmaceutical company. Can you tell us a little bit about this and the person that came to you? Yeah, it was a very interesting case, as they all are. Um, but this one really captured our attention from the moment this client came in because she's a scientist and she worked for a very well-known pharmaceutical company. It's a company based in Europe and they have been so successful that they, the name is, is known only because they have different industries that they're in. It's just not in the pharmaceutical company. So of course, when she came in 
and we ask her one of the first questions that we ask all of our potential clients is, you know, who's your employer? So anyway, when she told us the name, you know, of course our ears perked out, perked up, because typically in these in these organizations, the bigger ones, they're buttoned up pretty tightly. You know, they have lawyers on staff. They have people who have been in the industry um, and that help them maintain compliance across the board. So it's very, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but it's unusual when someone comes in and it's, it's, a, it's a company that typically we would have thought does the right thing, if you will. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, before you take that type of case, I mean, you obviously can't just take that person's word on it, can you? No. And then, and that's where things start to get sticky because people read their employment handbook, which most companies have. There's usually language in there that says, you know, you, you can't take any of our documents. You know, it, it, it's, there's confidentiality. And so when we have a client that comes in that claims or, or makes allegations that their employer is doing wrongdoing, the first thing we ask for is proof. And sometimes that proof requires an employee to obtain information that they're not otherwise entitled to. And so, unfortunately, this is where the rubber meets the road in the sense that, you know, we tell our clients, this could get very uncomfortable for you. And if you're not comfortable providing the proof, then, you know, then perhaps you're not in the, in the right space right now to talk about what's going on. And as a, I mean, obviously there's laws to protect the whistleblower and obviously the attorney, but I mean, how do you feel when this is happening? Because this becomes a really, I mean, this is in the middle of a tense situation, you know, and I mean, not that all law isn't, but this is like detective slash tense work. How are you feeling when something like this comes through? I always get nervous because the one thing that I've learned being an employment lawyer is that your job is a huge component of what you do. I mean, you're, you work you know, eight hours a day. That's a big chunk of your time. And so knowing that we are potentially going to put this person who spends eight hours of their day under more stress of being sort of a, uh, I don't want to make it um, sound, um, you know, more uh, salacious, I guess, if you will, but this person becomes almost like a clandestine um, operator within, they're like a spy. And so I know that that added layer of basically telling them, okay, you can't, you have to go into work and pretend that you're okay, you know, that there's no issues is a big ask. And so I, I know that from personally, not only professionally, that putting somebody in that situation sometimes doesn't end well for anybody. No, so how did this all unfold then? Did it go to court? How did it happen? Yeah, well, um, so essentially, you know, she, we gave her the instructions in terms of, okay, this is how a whistleblower case works from beginning to end. And she saw the end game, which was eventually she would have to testify against her employer. And so we gave her the, the best case and the worst case scenario. Um, we never know how an employer is going to react when we confront them with, uh, you know, news that they may be breaking the law. And so with her, we gave her the option and said, you know, you can do this one of two ways. We can go informally to your employer and, you know, talk to them and say, hey, this is, this is the evidence we have, or we can go straight to court, file a lawsuit, and it's all out in the open. And so with her, she made the decision to not do this publicly. She wanted us to handle it in a very... Um, uh, quiet way, if you will, 
because she knew that the allegations um, were heavy and that her employer, you know, had a lot of um, muscle behind them that could potentially uh, stop her career. She could, it could end her career as a scientist. So anyway, we went to the uh, employer and we said to them, hey, we, we have a client. Um, she's a scientist. She works in this department. Uh, she handles these particular research tests, and this is what she's telling us. She's saying to us that this drug that you are um, about to release into the market has caused deaths, and we have the paperwork that proves that, that there are individuals dying from this, um, this test, that this, you know, this new product, if you will, that you're rolling out. And so um, most employers that we go to with a, um, you know, sort of like an informal discussion don't even entertain our phone calls. They don't want to hear anything unless there's a lawsuit. But this was different. As soon as we told them who our client was and, you know, the evidence that we had, they came to the table, if you will, immediately. And so they said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, those are some heavy allegations that you're making. You know, we, we're not going to confirm or deny that that's the truth, um, but how do, we, how do we resolve this quietly? So both sides wanted to do it quietly, which worked out well. Wow. Oof. That, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, because that, that's like, I mean, that's what movies are made out, right? And like the company yeah. goes and <laughs> takes yeah. care of the scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it, it is, it, you say it's what happens in movies, but I have to believe now that the, these people who make movies are basing it from real situations because we've seen it. You know, we've seen, and she was very, she, she never said to us her life was in danger, um, you know, but, it, it, you know, when you're dealing with a company that big where that much is on the line, that could be a possibility. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, people have definitely disappeared for less, right? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, oh, man, that's scary. And, well, uh, I mean, I'm glad it ended up for the best. Now, did the scientist maintain her, retain, like, did she stay there or did she leave? Just out of curiosity. She, yeah, she left. I mean, she couldn't, um, it, it, what she was doing was conflicted. She, she was conflicted um, because as a scientist, her, she knew that um, what she was doing was not in alignment with, with who she was. I mean, she was with the company for about four years, and so I think that for her was long enough to know that that wasn't the place for her. But, you know, she was happy to leave and vice versa. I think the company was happy to get her out of there. And so she walked away um, still conflicted because we are not sure if their changes were made. You know, and that's, that's the, the part that we never hear about is when these cases resolve themselves quietly, you never know what the employer is going to do because there was no court decision. There was no regulator or, or no one saying, hey, you need to make changes. Oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Like, you always think there's like a happy ending, but you're like, uh. make sure to follow her on LinkedIn. Ber Bertha puts out a YouTube show as well and a podcast and has a lot of amazing information. And you work with both employees and employers. I know we talked about the employee representation, representation but you also work on the employer side and employers need that as well, don't they? Yeah. And, and that's the, the beauty of our practice is that we've seen both sides and we know that um, we understand the psychology behind both sides. And so 
um, we were we were naturally um, trained, uh, not naturally, but we were trained as um, defense lawyers representing um, companies, and so that's um, you know something that we're very familiar with. But getting sort of that insight into where an employee is coming from has really benefited both of our uh, clients, both sides of the, the the client table, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, you need to know both sides, and and you know, if and if you're an employer, lots of I mean, there's a lot of employees that have. I'm sure there's a lot of employees that come to you with not fake cases, but also kind of cases that the, it's really their fault, right? Yeah. And the employers need to protect themselves. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, when if an employer is doing the right thing, um, in the sense that they're they're making an effort to follow the the laws. And there's a lot, so it's it's hard to do. But if if there's an employer that's really making an attempt to do the right thing, then you know we for us it's that's that's what we want to do is to help them, you know, to defend themselves in those situations because they didn't do anything wrong per se. Um, they just had a bad decision maker or something. You know, who knows? It's lots of different variables, but yeah. This is great. I mean, this has been fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on True Law Stories. Thanks for sharing those stories. Yep, very welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you for, for joining us on True Law Stories. This has been Ian Garlic and Bertha Berezzo. Make sure to check out their website and follow her. And if you connect with her on LinkedIn, tell her you saw her here. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.